If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I encourage you to take them out and turn to Psalm 113. We'll be in Psalm 113 this morning, and as, um, as we prepare to read, I just want to mention that our service up to now has basically preached the sermon that I was planning to preach in just a moment. <laughs> it has touched on every point of the, the outline very well, from call to worship up until now. So hear now from God's Word, Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and His glory above the, na- above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks down, far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He makes them to sit with princes, with princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us all means and reasons to praise you. I pray that you would walk us through your word this morning, that you would protect me as I preach, that I would not stray from the left or to the right of your text, that you would be with our hearts as we spend this time meditating on your word, that you would preach to us, that we would praise you, that we would see your majesty and your mercy, and that we would praise you, that we would hear your call to praise your name, and that we would do it boldly. In Christ I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Scripture is full of many miracles of the Lord. Both Old and New Testaments are just filled with the miracles of the Lord. If if you start walking through the, the New Testament miracles, just imagine... Gaining your sight, maybe you've never seen before, and your eyes are opened. Or gaining the ability to walk. Or gaining life when you had no life. You've died, and now breath enters your lungs once again, and your heart beats once again. One of the things we see with these miracles in Scripture is that the people, as they experience these miracles, they praise the Lord. Even when they're told not to praise the Lord, they praise the Lord. Jesus says, tell no one. And what do they do? They tell everyone. They can't help it. And then you have men who are healed by the Lord following after Him. They give praise to the Lord. They can't help it. And the Christian has experienced these similar miracles, right? We have been born again of the Lord, as David alluded to it in the very opening of the service. We have been born again now, and we will be born again in a more fuller way in eternity. We are given spiritual sight where we were blind. We're given the ability to walk by the Spirit as the Spirit is in us. And He writes the law on our hearts. We are spiritually bankrupt people that are made heirs with Christ. And we have all the reason in the world to praise His name. And that's what our text this morning calls us to do. It calls us to give praise to the Lord. The Lord has lifted up a fallen people to His glory. And to His praise. 
And so the proposition this morning is just that. Just that simple. Give praise to the Lord. And where do we do that? We do that from the point of view of a fallen person who has been raised up in order to give praise and glory to the Lord. And we're going to break it up into two sections really this morning. We're going to look at the first three verses, which are going to give us the summons to praise the Lord in the first three verses. And then verses 4 through 9, that will look at the praise that we give to the Lord. And as we look at the first three verses, let's read those once again. Psalm 113, verses 1 through 3. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Amen. So one of the things we want to notice in this text is the very first word out of the gate. It's hallelujah in Hebrew. And and this is a Hebrew word that many of us know. Hallelujah just means praise Yahweh. Literally, hallelujah is to praise Yah. So it's the short form of Yahweh. So hallelujah. So when you hear that word, now you know what you're hearing. Praise Yahweh. In your English Bible, it probably says praise the Lord. And the Lord there is not just simply a title, but that's representing the name of Yahweh. Why do I draw your attention to that? Because three times in the text it says, praise the name of the Lord. If you saw this in Hebrew, you would see that the name of the Lord is right there. Over and over again in the text. And so I want us to to think not in terms of the Lord as a title this morning, but as the very name of the Lord, as Yahweh. So when you see that, just know that that's representing Yahweh. And so we have this summons to praise Yahweh's name. And it's a praise that radiates from his servants. Praise the Lord, servants of the Lord. We all have that impulse to praise things, right? Have you ever seen a skilled craftsman work and you just want to praise their work and you want to even praise the craftsman for their skill, right? Or a skilled musician. Or um, maybe uh, if you're a grandparent, you want to praise your grandchild for the things that they do. And, and, they, and everything they do is just, they're, they're the best at it because they're your grandchild and you want to praise them, right? There are people that we want to praise because we see the things they do. There's nature that we want to praise, right? You see a beautiful sunset and you just want to tell somebody about what you've seen. You want to praise the beauty of what you've seen. So there's this impulse to praise, And when we see the Lord's glory, we share that impulse to praise. When you see the Lord's glory, the natural reaction of that is praise. And that's something we see in Revelation 19. We actually see a lot of the elements that are in the psalm in in Revelation 19. You have the servants of the Lord called to praise the name of the Lord. And what are they saying? They're saying hallelujah. And in Revelation, it actually says hallelujah because for whatever reason in the Greek, we bring that word through. The Hebrew is just brought into Greek characters, and, and so when we bring the Greek and the English, we, we, we say hallelujah. But in the Old Testament, when hallelujah comes up, for whatever reason, when we come from Hebrew into English, we translate it and we say praise the Lord. But it's the same thing. It's saying the same thing. And so they are in the presence of the Lord. There's a great multitude in the presence of the Lord, and what are they doing? They're praising Him. There's an impulse to praise. It radiates from his servants. But it's not just a vague, ambiguous praise they give. They are praising Yahweh. 
This is a praise that specifies its object. They're saying, Hallelujah. Praise Yahweh. And it specifies it three times in the text. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is to be praised. In each verse, it draws your attention to the praise of the name of the Lord. What does this mean? What is this telling us? That our praise is specific. We're praising the Lord. We're declaring His reputation, His name. We're not simply praising the name of Yahweh because it's a magic incantation, right? There's no mystical aspect of this name. I think some in history have erred to think there's a mystical component here. But what is the name? It's representative of someone. The name is representative of God. And it tells us about our God. Our God is a personal God. In Exodus 3, when we're given this name Yahweh, this is the God of your fathers. And it's revelatory. He's the I Am. We're told that in Exodus 3 as well. As we're given this name Yahweh, it's in the context of revealing Him as the I Am, who was and is and is to come, which was in our call to worship this morning. This is the God who was and is and is to come. He is Yahweh. Yahweh is believed to be derivative of the to be verb in Hebrew. And the to be verb is hayah, and then Yahweh, you can kind of hear it. They sound similar. And when you're translating in Hebrew, it's very easy to get the name Yahweh and the to be verb, hayah, confused because they often look alike. Because they, they, Yahweh shares its origin in that. It's telling us he's the I am. Yahweh, the I am. So the name is not just personal, but it's revelatory. It's telling us something about, us, about him. And it's the name that he gives to his covenant people. It's a covenantal name. It reminds us that this is the God that we're in covenant with. And it's eternal. I've already said he's the one who was and is and is to come. Past, present, and future, I am. This is the eternal Yahweh. And it's a distinct name. This is the God of the children of Abraham. This is the God who brings them through the wilderness. This is the God who's with his people. He's not Pharaoh. He's not any of the Canaanite gods. He's not any of the gods we've invented since then. He is Yahweh. He is, as David loves to say, the eternal being one, right? This is the God we worship. It's a specific God. It is distinct. He's not just any higher power. In the world today, it's more acceptable to worship just a vague higher power than a specific God, than the specific creator of the universe. But he's not just a higher power. He's Yahweh. And we don't just have faith in something. We have faith in a very specific God. And we don't just have some religion. We have this religion, the religion of Yahweh. So it is distinct. It is specific. So it's a praise that radiates from his servants, a praise that specifies an object. And now, let's look at how it is a praise that continues forever. In the text, in verse 3, it says, From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And in verse 2, let's back up to verse 2, 
Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. This is a praise that continues forever. From this time forth and forevermore. Did I always praise the Lord? I did not. So this actually calls for a commitment to praising the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So I have a start point with this praise, but does it ever end? It never ends. So we commit to praise and we continue in praise. It is an eternal praise. From this time forth and forevermore. It is something we will continue to do when we are in his presence in glory. We will praise the name of Yahweh. And that forever concept's important. I, I mentioned earlier, this is a covenantal name. This is the name he gives to his covenant people. Well, it's a forever covenant. Very often in the Old Testament, when you see the word covenant, you either have the word eternal or forever. It's the word olam, barith, barith olam in, in Hebrew, which is the forever covenant, the eternal covenant. It's an eternal covenant that he's made with us. Thus, we have an eternal praise of him. The covenant never ends, and neither does his praise. So it's a praise that continues from forever, and it is a comprehensive praise from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun. This doesn't mean in the daylight hours I will praise the Lord. It doesn't mean from sun up to sundown I praise the Lord and then I cease from praising the Lord. But the picture that we're given here, this is a comprehensive thing. The Lord is the first thing I think of when I wake up and I praise Him. And as, as the day ends, He's my last thought at the night. I'm praising the Lord. So the idea there is not to give you a legalistic parameter of when I can praise the Lord and when I can cease from praising the Lord. No, no, no. The idea is that this is a comprehensive praise of the Lord. So it's a praise that radiates from His servants, specifying a specific object, Yahweh. And it's a praise that will continue forever. It's a comprehensive praise. So that's the call to worship. That's the summons to worship we have. Now let's consider verses 4 through 9 and the praise that we will give to the Lord. Psalm 113, verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. The Lord is high above all the nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like our Lord? This is a praise that we give that places faith in His majesty. Who is like our Lord? Who is so high above? He is seated in the text, it says. He is ruling. He is in control. He has the authority. And He is looking down on all things, as it says in the Hebrew. He is far above looking down. Um, Or... If you have the NESB translation, it'll say that he humbles himself to look upon the heavens and the earth, which is a little bit better for carrying the concept of what's happening. He has to condescend to look into our situation. He is humbling himself to do this. So if if you have the ESV, it's easy to miss that humbling aspect. 
But that is a connotation with what's being said there. And the, the New American Standard does a, an excellent job of capturing that. So the majestic one, seated high and ruling, humbles himself. Does this put you in mind of anything? Does this remind you of Christ who humbles himself by taking the form of a servant who steps into creation, humbling himself? He was above all of this, yet he stepped into it. And who does he step into it for? Those who are in the dust, those who are poor and needy, those who are in the ash heap, which I'll explain that in a minute. He does this for those that have nothing to offer. Of course, even the best of us have nothing to offer. Remember, he's above all things. He is the creator. He's not the creation. He's above it all. There's no one like our God. Who is so great? Who is so merciful to condescend into such a state to save someone who has nothing to offer you? So it's a praise that places faith in his majesty, but also gives thanks for his mercy. Look at the examples he gives us. He gives us an example towards the end of a barren woman. A barren woman has nothing to offer in terms of having a child because she's barren. She can't. She's dependent on the Lord. You have Sarai or Sarah. You have Rachel. You have Hannah. You have Elizabeth. You have all these barren woman situations in Scripture. And the Lord graciously steps in and provides for them something they desperately want, something that they are ashamed that they cannot do for themselves. And the Lord steps in and He is gracious to them. But it doesn't only show the Lord's grace. It also shows the Lord's power. Consider Sarah. She's upward in age. And it's getting harder and harder to believe that the Lord's going to do this thing. At at one point, she's even laughing about it. Am, Am I... Am I going to have a child at my age? That's ridiculous. And the Lord's response in Genesis 18 is, is there nothing too hard for the Lord? Is there nothing impossible for the Lord? So this barren woman illustration doesn't just show grace. It shows power. The Lord is powerful. And before that, we have another illustration in the text. In verse 7, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. And that term ash heap there, that's referring to the dump, basically. Uh, Depending on your translation, it also may say the dung pile. Uh, In Nehemiah, we've been studying Nehemiah on Wednesday mornings, and towards the bottom of Jerusalem, when, when they're building the wall, one of the things they build is the dung gate. The dung gate leads to the ash heap that it's talking about here in the text. The ash heap was the burn pile outside. It was where you brought your trash, your waste. All of that was going to go to the ash heap. And so what it's saying is, he raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. Those are the people living in squalor. Those are the people digging through the remains of the trash to see if there's anything there worthwhile. Years ago, I was in South America scouting out a location for a VBS. We were going to this very poor community. When we were coming in, we were told, be sure you're out by dark. This is a very dangerous area. It was a very poor community. It was literally built on a dump. So when I read this, I think about that location where it was literally built on a landfill. 
and they had laid just a thin layer of dirt. And this was an area, sort of like a housing project, where the government had done this so people could have somewhere to live that had nothing. They had no land. And so they created land for them by laying a thin layer of dirt upon the trash. And when I was scouting out the area, walking around, someone had mentioned that it had been a dump. So I'm kind of paying attention, like, how did they do this? How did they pull this off? And I'm looking down as we walk, and I'm seeing trash sticking out of the dirt. It wasn't that much dirt on top of the trash. They were living on the ash heap. I'm I'm walking, and I see a a flip-flop poking out of the ground. It's just an old, beat-up flip-flop sticking out of the ground. That was somebody's trash that has made its way up through the dirt because it didn't biodegrade. And can you imagine living in such a state where you see that flip-flop, and you don't have shoes, and you're thinking, I just wish I could find the other flip-flop that went with this. That is the state of the people referred to in this text. They have nothing. And it says that the Lord lifts us out of our nothing, out of our devastation. And He makes us to sit where He is. He brings us to the king's table to sit with princes, with His princes, the princes of His people. That's the inheritance we get. I haven't mentioned it so far, but this would be a good time to mention it. When I was listing those barren women, Hannah was one of the women that was mentioned. That's Samuel's mother in in 1 Samuel. Well, this psalm samples a little bit of her prayer. This part of the psalm actually comes from 1 Samuel. And she mentions, she, she goes a little bit in more depth on this, and she says that he makes to inherit a seat. And so she brings in that concept of inheritance here. And once again, it makes you think of Christ. He humbles himself, he comes into our situation, and he makes us to inherit a seat of honor that we have no right to, but he gives it to us. And that is the Lord we praise. That is the Lord we give thanks to for his mercy. He brought us who are outside of the gate of the city, And he brought us in, and he didn't just bring us into the city. He brought us to sit at his table. He brought us to have an inheritance. It's truly amazing. As amazing as it was when Jesus gave people sight and healed all of their physical ailments, and as amazed as they were to have something they never had, how much more amazing is this? How much more praise does this elicit in us when we realize what has been done for us? One more illustration with the ash heap I want us to consider. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. This is a slightly different ash heap, but I think it will be beneficial for us. Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 11 through 15 for the sake of time. Verse 11. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. And remember, I was talking about this actually being outside the camp just a moment ago. They are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate. Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp 
and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge, and hear this, that acknowledge his name. Remember that, that bringing us back to Psalm 113. So what is the sacrifice we bring? Lips that acknowledge his name. And what has he done? He's become the sin offering, by the way. That reference there, if you don't know Leviticus very well, which many of us do not know Leviticus very well, the sin offering was a burnt offering outside and brought out, burned outside the camp. Okay, And so you have this, this picture here where he becomes a sin offering, burnt outside the camp. And you also have this picture of being outside the camp. And of course, this is referencing the, the crucifixion where he is crucified outside of the city for the sins of men. And he suffered shame for the sins of men. And we are called, as we are called to give him praise, we're called to do this in a way which often brings reproach upon us. When we are faithful servants praising the Lord, it's not always well received. I mentioned Nehemiah earlier. Well, when they started building the wall, Nehemiah says the Lord is going to help us do this. And he says this to the governors of the area around. And 52 days later, the Lord has helped them to do it. And you know what happens? Those governors get upset about it. He's been praising the Lord, saying the Lord's going to help us do this. They see the Lord at work, and they're not happy about it. And it brings problems, praising the Lord. In this context, in Hebrews, the problem is... I'm a Jewish convert. This is going to kick me out of the community. This, this puts me outside of the city. And we're assured in Hebrews that that's not your inheritance. If you're kicked out of this community, it's okay. That is not what you're clinging to. Jerusalem is just a place on earth. You're looking ahead to the, the holy city. And we too are looking ahead. Our inheritance is not here. It may be costly to praise the Lord and be faithful and be specific with your praise and not just be a coward and vaguely praise the Lord and just say, oh yeah, I believe in God. Well, a lot of people believe in God, but do they believe in Yahweh? Do they believe in the God of the Bible? And all that the Bible teaches about the Lord? That can be costly. That can be difficult. Many of us have not really suffered that, but some of us have, and some of us will. Suffer for being faithful to the Lord, giving praise to the Lord. Not just praise on a Sunday morning, but every day, from now until forever. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, being consistent in that praise. That's what we're called to. A lifetime, an eternity of consistent praise to the Lord, no matter the cost. Considering the one who suffered on our behalf, bearing the reproach. And so we are called to praise Him. And acknowledge his name boldly. Israel was surrounded by the nations. They were under constant threat. So as they're singing this song, they're remembering their salvation from the Lord. They're clinging to their salvation from the Lord. And that is what we are called to do as well. 
They are recalling the glorious deeds of the Lord. The Lord is above all of the nations. They've seen that firsthand. They know it. And so they are called to proclaim Him. Yet they were inconsistent. Isaiah 43 reminds us that they were inconsistent to praise the Lord who delivered them. And the Lord promises to raise up a people that will praise His name. Look around. We are those people with the law written on our heart. He has equipped us to praise His name. We are the fulfillment of Isaiah 43 when He says He will raise up people to praise Him. So praise Him. And our praise, it comes through Jesus. He's the one who unites us to Himself. We are resurrected in Christ, even now. And so the Holy Spirit writes His law on your heart. When we are faced with our inconsistencies, we lean on His help. We need Him. So we can praise Him. When we are delight, you know, when we are in the utmost of heights, when we are happy, we praise Him. Hopefully we do. When we're joyful, when, when everything is clear. Have you, ever, have you ever had those days where just everything seems to make sense? And it's, it's maybe just a day. Maybe it's just an hour. Maybe it's just a quick moment where things just seem to click and, and make sense. And you think, I hope tomorrow things will be as clear as they are right now. And you praise Him in those times, right? Hopefully you do. Hopefully you do. But those, those times don't last. We also have times of despair, When we're tired, when we're afraid, when we are confused and we're stuck in the fog. But we're called to praise in those times as well. And that's hard. And we need the Lord's help in those times. And so we plead with God to help us. Help us praise your name, Lord. I don't want to praise your name right now. Help me to see your glory. Help me to praise your name. And we we need to plead with him. We need to pray to him to ask us to help him. Help, help, ask Him to help us. Because only by His Spirit can we do the things that He calls us to do. And so we pray to the Lord. And we even pray Scripture to the Lord. He has promised us. And He is honored when we bring Scripture to Him. And so as we close, I want to leave you with two Scriptures. I just I held up one finger, but I meant to hold up two. Two <laughs> Scriptures. This uh, first one here. Is from Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, and you may know this from the Martin Luther hymn. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will withhold you with my righteous right hand. What a wonderful scripture to have when you don't feel like praising the Lord. He says, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed. That's Isaiah 41.10. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And one other text I want us to see. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to, to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace which surpasses all understanding. That's a big phrase for us. And it's a big phrase because sometimes we have peace when it doesn't even make sense to have peace. When we can't comprehend how we could possibly have peace. 
The Lord is capable of giving you peace. He tells you that in His Word. Turn to Him. Ask Him for that. The Lord calls us to praise His name, and He equips us to do so. He doesn't leave us helpless to do it. He equips us to do it. So let us boldly praise Him, because He is the one with power. And as we, as we close, I want to circle back to that, what, the story I told about the dump and the VBS. There's one more aspect about this story that I left out. And there was, that was a gang that, was in this, that lived in this little village. There was a gang there. And this is an illustration about God's power, by the way. And so we see the threat when we get to the area. We're told about the threat. It's dangerous. But while we're there, as we're preaching the gospel, lo and behold, the gang leader gets, gets saved. He, he, he uh, believes in the Lord. He's transformed. The Lord is doing a work in this man's life. Um, there was another threat there that was worse than the gangs, and it was the Jehovah's Witnesses on the hill up here. They would watch us every day. And when we left, they, they would wait for us to leave, and they would come down right after we left. And they would say, what these people are teaching you is false. And they would try to undo everything that we did every day. But the gang leader who got saved took his gang and started keeping the Jehovah's Witnesses out of the community so that we could work and not have it disturbed by the Jehovah's Witnesses. That is the God we serve. Okay? That is the God. He protects His name. And when these people were trying to preach something else than His Word, when they were trying to harm His Word being preached, our God is powerful enough to step in and do the work for us sometimes. Or all the time, rather. But He works through means, right? He worked through the means of our VBS. He worked through the means of this gang to keep these people away. The Lord's will will be done. Praise His name for it. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning that we can have confidence, that we can praise Your name and all that it represents. Father, help us to be bold in Your praise. Help us to be affectionate in praising You. And help us to be consistent in praising You. We thank you for your mercy and your power, your majesty. We thank you for who you are, and we praise you for who you are. In Christ we pray. Amen.